Once upon a time, a certain man entered into a contract, a business arrangement with another man in his church. It was not a complicated arrangement, so the papers drawn up were somewhat sketchy and vague. Since they both understood the simple agreement and they trusted each other, these two men accepted some of the agreement verbally. Surely we understand each other, they said, and they both left that meeting feeling good. Wasn't it nice to do business with a good Christian brother, someone that is as concerned about me and my success as his own? So, off they went. No one is quite sure when it all began to happen. First, a misunderstanding, a, a miscue, a, a miscommunication. All of a sudden, this neat, tidy Christian business arrangement began to unravel. Before you knew it, words were spoken in anger, sides were chosen, lines were drawn, and the finger pointing and accusations began. Both men pulled out their copy of their contract, but with details so sketchy, each placed their own interpretation on their phrases. A meeting to resolve the misunderstanding exploded in anger as one accused the other of trying to defraud him, and the other cried foul, saying, business is business. Before long, the whole church was aware of the problem and predictably began to take sides. What had begun as a trusting Christian business arrangement that was now polarizing the whole Christian community, threatening to divide and destroy the church. Well, there were more attorneys in Corinth than pigeons. So each man took to the Greek yellow pages to search for his advocate. What had started as a contract between believers was now court case number 3,284 down at the local courthouse. This is a hypothetical story of what might have happened in the church at Corinth. A scenario that's been repeated probably many times over the last 1900 years or so. And the Apostle Paul addresses the issue, but not so much who's right and who's wrong, but he addresses it with a unique approach and talks about the dichotomy between two kingdoms, two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. The area of rule in the secular immoral society over here and the area of rule in the community of faith. We're gonna to look today at the problem of litigation lawsuits in the secular realm, basically, and Christians who are suing their brothers in heathen courts. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably seen just such a scenario. And Paul addresses this because he's responding to a series of questions that the church leaders asked him. They sent him a series of questions, and he's responding. And this is one of the issues that he responds to. So I want us to see today what we can learn, see how it applies to each and every one of us today. Today, sue me? That's the question. We're gonna look at 1 Corinthians 6, the first eight verses. Um, you can find it on page 926 in the, in the Bible in front of you on the rack, or um, on the PowerPoint, basically, we put the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to follow, so we'll have that. Um, the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 6, verses one through eight. So verse one. When one of you has a dispute with, one, with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? 
Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat, even your fellow believers. Now, the world we live in today is very different in many respects than the one in which the church at Corinth was found in the first century. And in America, many of our legal values and laws were actually taken either directly from the Bible or informed by the Word of God. But that was not the case here. I want us to look at, at six principles. Now, these are principles. This isn't a real nice, neat, black and white, right and wrong thing. This is, I, I want to list some principles that we can apply to situations that we might face. Six principles of justice. These are principles we need to consider when we have a disagreement or a legal dispute with another Christian. These apply to dis disputes between believers, not between you and, a, and an unbeliever, okay? Although some of the principles could apply, but these are when you have a dispute with, with, an, with another believer. Principle number one, we are a community of Christ. We are a community of Christ. In other words, we belong to Jesus Christ, and as such, we live in a different realm called the kingdom of God. Now, we, we float that term around a lot. I'm going to address it more in the next message on 1 Corinthians, but we're going to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of Jesus in people's hearts. It's the rule of Jesus in people's hearts. It has a present and a future, and it has an already and not yet. In other words, the kingdom of God is present in seed and sprout, but it's not going to reach total fruition until the end of the consummation of the age at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we experience a lot of the kingdom of God in our lives today, but the, the culmination when the kingdom of God will come in totality will come in the future. This kingdom does not depend on, but transcends this earthly kingdom in which we live. And I don't know if you relate to this. When Jesus was on trial before Pilate, he said, I heard you were a king. Are you a king? And Jesus says, yes, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, he was the king of the kingdom of God, which transcended this existing world. It is spiritual in nature, and it intersects and works in our physical world, but will eventually encompass all of creation. Okay, this is a big, it's a big subject, but basically... Paul is approaching this from the kingdom of the, of, of the God versus kingdom of, of the world. His point is, since we live in God's kingdom, according to his rules, his laws, and values, our actions are going to be different. We're going to be different. Now, let's go back to the situation in Corinth. Why were these people seeking to go to court? To seek justice. They wanted justice. I've been wrong, therefore I'm seeking justice. But the question is, justice by whose definition? Why shouldn't they go to the court to let the judge decide? That's, a, that's the question. Now, Christianity, the church, was founded in the context of 
the Jewish religion, monotheism based on the Old Testament and the laws, etc. And so it was, a, it was based in the context of, of the Jewish faith. And Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, was a Jew. And, and Jews had obtained permission from the Romans' authority to apply their own laws themselves. In other words, they were under, they were under the government in Jerusalem and all of Israel and all of that area. They were under the government of Rome. And they could exercise their laws, but there were certain restrictions. Remember when, the, when they wanted to crucify Jesus, this was capital punishment. They said, we're not going to let you do that. The Romans had to be the ones that did capital punishment. But other than that, the Jews had a jurisdiction uh, to, to do their laws. The judicial system set up in Jewish society and to handle disputes, lawsuits, and disagreements. And this system of justice was based on the Old Testament and the law. And the values of Jewish law, therefore, were in line with God's laws. And in the most part, it was a relatively just system. That's the Jewish system of laws that were that were in place. But this is Corinth, this was Greece, okay? And the Greeks had a totally different value system. Okay, they had a different value system. Their courts were gonna interpret things far differently. To the Corinthian Greek, adultery was fine. It was even part of their religion, not the Jews. Sexual perversion was desirable. Drunkenness and debauchery were part of their lifestyle. Their values were totally different than the values of the Jews or the values of the Christians. Now, there are two problems then for a Christian in that day if you went to court. First, the so-called justice was based on the value system totally contrary to God's law and God's character. The secondly, it was a poor witness for the Christians to air their dirty laundry in the middle of public. So there's this dichotomy of worlds. You have this heathen, Corinthian, Greek, immoral, unrighteous kingdom of the world, and you have versus the kingdom of God with morality, holiness, and righteousness. So you see, which justice system are you wanting to be held to? The moral values of a society will affect the outcome of justice, even the definition of justice. And we see that even today. Now, we see it in, in our world today. Um, let's take, take the laws about Divorce. The U.S. law says you can divorce for any reason. It's no fault divorce. The Bible says it's adultery and desertion are the only two reasons to divorce. So one is legal, one is immoral. What about pornography? U.S. law says it's legal, it's protected, it's free speech. The Bible says pornography is evil, it's sinful. It's legal, but the Bible value says it's it's evil. Homosexuality, U.S. law says it's legal, protected, and even encouraged. The Bible says it's an abomination before God, it's evil and sinful. What about same-sex marriage? U.S. law has now said it's legal, it's protected, you can marry and adopt children, do all of those things. The Bible says it's evil, sinful, unnatural, it's disordered, it's an abomination. What about abortion? For 50 years now, in the U.S., it's been legal. But in the Bible's eyes, the baby at conception is a human being, so it's, it's murder. See, so you can have in the same place, you can have the, the U.S. law, which says one thing, and biblical law, which we practice in the church, is totally different. Everything's different. Now, Kenneth Chafin says, I don't think Paul was intending to suggest that justice was impossible in secular courts or that Christians should never sue anyone, okay? He wasn't saying Christians should never sue anybody. 
Um, and he goes on to say, there are many Christians who are part of our judicial system who bring a larger dimension to justice and truth as a result of their faith in Christ. And secondly, Paul probably was not able to anticipate his advice being applied wholesale to a highly complex industrial society. In other words, there, there was no one-on-one -on -one relationship between then and now. It's not exactly like that. There are, that's why we're addressing it from the principles. In America, for most of the time we've been in existence, we seemingly didn't need a separate justice system within the church since we were a Christian nation. And we largely are a Judeo-Christian nation. But that has changed and is changing. And as it changes, it becomes more important than ever that we listen to the Bible's guidelines for justice. How does the Bible define justice? So the first principle is we are the community of Christ. We're operating a totally different value system, moral value system. Number two, we are to exercise judgment inside the church. We are to exercise judgment inside the church. 1 Corinthians 5 says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. The church is a community of people who have chosen to follow Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ is Lord. If we choose to follow Jesus, our first accountability is to God first, then to each other, then to each other. We're family, and just as we in, in human families hold each other accountable or should for our own good in the unity of the family, we in the church need to hold each other accountable as this family for our own good and unity. So Paul is saying, is there a disagreement or dispute between two of you and your family? Find someone in the family to help resolve the dispute. You got a dispute with people in the church? Find somebody in the church that can help you resolve the dispute. It is our responsibility. Paul never says, don't go to court. He never says, don't sue anybody. In fact, you may have been sued or you may have been forced to defend yourself in court. He doesn't say that you shouldn't ever do that. Paul, in fact, Paul used the Roman, Roman system of justice to appeal. Uh, if you follow through the book of Acts, which we finished last year, we find that Paul, at a certain point, appealed to a commander, he appealed to the governor, and then he appealed to Caesar. So he used the Roman civil court system in order to appeal his case. And he ended up in Rome to appeal his, his decisions. If the agreement or dispute was between Christian and non-Christian, you can't very well expect a non-Christian to come to the person in church and deal with the church leadership. That's pretty unrealistic. And we have many Christians in the legal system today. It is, it is possible to be a Christian and be an attorney, right? Rachel, yeah, we have attorneys in our church. And there are many Christians that are in the legal system but they're tied by laws that may or may not reflect Judeo-Christian ethics. If the dispute is between Christians, Paul says, first try to deal with the issue within the church if possible. And it's our responsibility. We are to exercise judgment within the church. Principle number three, principle number three, material matters are trivial in view of eternity. Material matters are, are trivial in view of eternity. This is where our value system differs or ought to differ. Sometimes our financial and material survival depends on going to court. You may have had to. The only way justice can be served by taking legal action. And you may have been in that situation, whether you had to go to court or defend yourself in court. 
The situation Paul is describing is probably not one of these. Now, some people go to court just because they want to win. They just want to win. There's no reason to have to go to court, but they want to win. Uh, my, my brother was a missionary in Taiwan for 20 years. And one of the more interesting stories he told was of two business owners who owned adjacent buildings, and the buildings were right next to each other. They, shared, shared, they built the walls against each other. And one owner discovered that his neighbor's building, which was built wall-to-wall -wall with his building, was one inch over into his property line. So he sued the guy. He sued the guy, and he said, I want you to move, move the building, move the wall. And he won. He won. So his neighbor in this building had to tear down part of his building and rebuild it. Now, this guy was smart because he basically then rebuilt his wall one inch inside of his own property line. Okay? So when the guy who had originally sued him and won had to rebuild his wall, he built it right up against his wall. He's thinking it was right on the line. It wasn't right on the line. So then he sued, and then he had to move the wall. So that, <laughs> that's kind of, I don't know why they did that, okay? It was, it was a suit and countersuit and build, yeah, it was just crazy. They had to win, okay? They didn't want to lose. They had to win. That's an exaggerated illustration, but it makes a point. Sometimes people go to court just not because they can't financially survive, but they hate to lose. They've got to win. And in the process, they lose their peace of mind, their, their focus in life, and, and their spiritual well-being. I have an attorney friend who told me, and, and we need attorneys in, in every, every sense of the word in many, many ways. We need attorneys. And attorneys play an incredible role, an important role. But if it goes to litigation, okay, if it goes to court in litigation, I have an attorney friend who told me, when you go to litigation, the only one who wins is your attorney. So, and that can be true. Okay, principle number four. Number four. Someday we will judge the ungodly. Someday we will judge the ungodly. Someday we'll judge the world. Someday we will judge the angels. This is talking about the future millennium when we're ruling with Jesus. Now, we're not sure what all that means because we don't have all the context and all the facts in that. But the principle is that someday we will judge the ungodly. Why let them judge us now? This was especially true in Greek courts where the value system was diametrically opposed to Christian values. Why go to court when their values are totally different than, uh, than that? And today, a lot, of, a lot of judges and judgments are hostile to Christianity, totally diametrically opposed to us. We see the battles uh, taking place out there in the, in the legal system that we have. Um, people trying to drive Christianity from the public square. And legally, sometimes we, don't, we, we can't, can't deal with it. Whether it's evolution versus intelligent design. It might be Christmas trees versus holiday trees. And if the judge says you can't have the word Christmas, I guess they're holiday trees. Winter break versus Christmas break. Ten commandment displays or cross displays. Having in God we trust on our money or, or having under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. Might be abortion or same-sex rulings. Okay, the cake baker and the flower arranger, if you followed any of that, um, the judges on the Ninth Circuit basically upheld the lawsuit saying that this cake baker cannot deny the ability to do that. A friend of mine who was on my board um, back in Seattle represented that before the Supreme Court. We're waiting for that thing to come out. But we can't depend on the courts to come out with, with ju justice according to biblical principles. 
they may come up with justice according to ungodly principles. That was the issue in Corinth. We have that too. We may have to go to court, but the courts may be hostile to Christianity. So if we have a dispute, why let the courts decide if they have hostility towards Christian ethics? Find someone in the Christian community to help resolve disputes. And I don't know if we have this in this part of Wisconsin. We had in the Pacific Northwest something called Christian Conciliation Services, that if you couldn't find a resolution in the church and uh, wherever you were, you could go to this Christian Conciliation Service and they use biblical principles, biblical values to establish justice so you don't have to take it to uh, ungodly courts. Principle five, we are the witness of Jesus to the world. We are the witness of Jesus to the world. We continue to emphasize the importance of the local church. The fact that y'all, you all, are the local church. You are God's presence in our community. You are God's presence. You are God's alternative to the brokenness around us. There's so much brokenness, so much, so much stuff out there that's just destroying lives. And the church, you all, are the church in dispersion during the weekend, gathered together during the Sundays. Basically, you are the alternative to the brokenness. And we must demonstrate that loving alternative society, that family of God. People are watching, people watch. Somebody once said, if Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work, don't export it. If Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work, don't export it. The same thing applies to the family of God in the church. If our faith does not work within our church family, don't export it. Because we are the demonstration of the Christ life to the world. Can we get along? That's a question. Can we get along? And principle six. Principle six. Winning may be losing, and losing may be winning. Winning may be losing, and losing may be winning. Verse seven and eight says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Gordon Fee says, whether you win or lose, the action itself is already a loss. For even if you win, you lose by not being able to endure injury, and the church loses by your action there before the public tribunal. So Paul asks rhetorically, why not let yourselves be cheated? In other words, why not just accept the injustice? Paul tells us in other places not to return evil for evil. Jesus taught us to overcome evil with good, even if it meant personal loss. But I have my rights. I have my rights. Yes and no. Yes and no. As followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes we're called on to lay down our rights. I'm not advocating that we should become doormats or let people walk over us. We need to be concerned about justice in all ways. But we in the kingdom of God have given our rights up. We have laid them down. And in essence, we have no rights. Just like Jesus laid down all his rights to give his life as a ransom and died for us. He gave his life away. And therein lies the contrast between the world and the kingdom of God. The world and the kingdom of God. How do you work in a justice system when they don't embrace that? 
To bring a suit may cause injury to you, personally injury to the family, injury to the body of Christ. Is that winning? Or is the real victory obtained by choosing to take the wrong, to be defrauded, turn the other cheek, and when you're sued for your coat, you give the cloak as well? These are hard words. These are things that Jesus talked about. There are two tensions, two tensions in this whole thing. The first one is between the already and the not yet. Already and the not. The fact that the kingdom of God is here already, but it's not completely here. But we still have to live in this world where we need material goods, possessions, and physical beings. There's a tension between, between that. The other one is a tension between living in the kingdom realm with the kingdom value system and the world where we live and the world's value system. What is the most important? Those are questions. As I said earlier, everything is not black and white. If nothing else, I hope I've caused you to think twice before suing someone or going to court. Because there may be a better solution one found, especially in the body of Christ. 5.12 says we are to judge those within the church. And this can include helping resolve disputes. Sue? Me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Paul attacks just practical matters, things that can cause tension and cause uh, division and cause hardship in our lives. And I, I pray, God, that we'll be able to take these principles and be able to understand how they apply. I pray, God, that we will begin to, to understand in a greater way the, the difference between the, the value system out there and the value system of the Church of Jesus Christ. And we will say, you know, my Christianity works. I'm going to export it, God, that we would be the example, that we would be the demonstration to a broken world of how to operate in the kingdom realm with love. And God, that we would love one another in a special way. Father, we know that you loved us in an amazing way. And because of that love, you laid down all things. And I pray, God, that you will teach us to love one another. And God, that you would raise us up as an example to the world of your love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we?